HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Omsom, the new pantry staple brand bringing proud, loud Asian flavors into your kitchen. This week on Meet and 3, we head into the second part of our mini-series on global trade, where we talk about all things sweet, from chocolate and sugarcane to the cultural festival that accompanied the growth of the date industry in the U.S. They're using this romance and fantasy to say, dates are exotic and you should consume them. I'd like to think of the food that we eat as archaeological artifacts, in part because the history of humanity is in the stands in your produce market. It's not like other foods. We have very like, personal feelings about chocolate. Tune in to Meat in 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Mike Schreiber. Welcome to The Shameless Chef, the show that takes us back in time to home kitchens in the 1970s, but still has a lot to teach us today. I developed this show with Michael Davenport in 1977. He was the original host of The Shameless Chef, and he shared his fearless attitudes towards food and encouraged home cooks to have fun and take some risks in the kitchen. I'm excited to keep this legacy alive and share The Shameless Chef with you on Heritage Radio Network. Today, I'm sharing stories about kitchen tools, including why Michael Tavenport loves the basics, what gadgets are fun to try and which are frivolous, and some new ideas for better utilizing the tools which we already have. As a kid growing up, I lived in a fairly traditional family, and I can remember my mother always was somewhat fanatical about cleanliness. That meant everything was cleaned up after a meal and she was particularly focused on keeping the counters clean. Everything was supposed to be removed from the counter and kept clean. And so that was my default for a countertop. The first time I was in Michael Davenport's kitchen, I noticed a small ceramic pot filled with kitchen utensils. My immediate reaction was a curiosity about why someone would leave their kitchen counter cluttered. Then as I watched Michael cook, I realized the practical functionality of having a pot of utensils out on the counter and readily available for use. I can remember thinking, wow, what a good idea. Well, at the same time, a good friend of mine was a manufacturer's rep for a variety of products, which also included kitchen utensils. So I mentioned to him about seeing the pot of utensils on Michael's counter, which of course I thought was somewhat of a novelty. And he smiled and said, Okay, come with me tomorrow, and I'll show you something. 
So the next day, we went to a local store called Pride's in Old Westport. And Westport is an old section of Kansas City with a lot of history about the Santa Fe Trail starting there, as well as some extensive Civil War history. It's a really cool area now. Well, Pride's was called a mercantile, basically a shop with hard-to-find and new kitchen items and a large variety of decorative stuff. I was blown away. At the same time I was beginning to learn about cooking, along came a super cool store with tons of cooking stuff. That very day, I bought my first ceramic pot and a whole lot of utensils. I don't think I knew what most of them were used for, but I thought they looked really cool. Well, now that ceramic pot is a staple in any kitchen I'm in. It is said that a worker is no better than his tools. And considering that we try to turn out little works of art in the kitchen, let's us consider the importance of the pots and pans we have to cook with. I'm called the Shameless Chef, for the moment, going to pot. Thank you. My first word about kitchen equipment is this. Beware of pretty pots and pans. <laughs> so many are meant to look dazzling when hung on the wall, but cookware is meant for the range, not the wall. Others catch your admiring eye when you see them in the shops. All those cunning little flowers painted on the bottom. The bottoms of pans are meant to be either exposed to the heat or covered with food. If you like pretty flowers, put them on the table as a centerpiece. And this day and age when modern technology and the expertise in metallurgy can make the most efficient and easy care cookware, pretty is as pretty does. Now, my favorite cookpot is a big, squatty, black cast-iron number that I truly inherited from my grandmother through my mother. It's seen many a year of service, and it continues to do so. Hang it on the wall, never, but I couldn't cook certain things without it. Now, three things to consider when collecting kitchen cookware. One, is it made of a suitable metal and sturdy enough to conduct heat readily, smoothly, and evenly? Two, does it clean well and easily? And three, does it suit your style of cooking? Why use a fish poacher if you never poach a 12-pound salmon? Now, I think an omelet pan is absolutely vital, but why have one if you don't uh, omelet? If you're cooking for a small family or yourself, mostly small pans will do, with a big one or so for company. Opposite is true if you entertain a lot or have a big family. Talk to the clerks in the stores. They're experts, as I am. Talk to good cooks. They'll advise you, as I will. But above all, don't buy cheap. That's shameful. Take it from the shameless chef, Eclept, Michael A. Davenport. Cheers. Whatever happened to the romantic June wedding? It's proliferated. Nowadays, weddings are scheduled any time of the year. That means wedding gifts any time of the year. Are you going to give still another toaster? Hmm? There are some really great wedding gifts. As pronounced, uh, I am the shameless chef. I have some wedding gift suggestions. Some shameless, some sensible. Most sure to be received and regarded lovingly. First thing that comes to mind, cookbooks. No matter how conventional or unconventional the bride and groom may be, they will doubtless be cooking and entertaining, and no one can have too many cookbooks. And you don't have to consult a relative nor a bridal registry. Now, I'm not knocking toasters, mind you, but fess up. How many did you get for your wedding? 
What about the other kitchen lifesavers? If you follow this rule of thumb about all kinds of electrical kitchen wonders, you'll be safe. If you have one, don't give one. Everybody else will, so that clears you. Now, I suggest the following. A food processor, to start at the top of the scale. A hand mixer, a simple one. Handiest gadget in the kitchen. An ice cream freezer, good any time of the year. A toaster oven, very useful indeed for only two people, people in a hurry. A kitchen timer, electric or otherwise. An electric hand drill. Hmm, surprised you. Stop and think about the problems of hanging kitchen utensils and how handy a drill is for hanging pictures, too. Count all the little things in your kitchen like mixing spoons, spatulas, corers, parers, and such, and duplicate them as a gift. A surprise package. If you think all this is dumb, then sign the card the shameless chef and let them figure it out. Michael A. Davenport here. Happy days. We'll be back after this break. This episode is brought to you by Omsom, the new pantry staple brand bringing proud, loud Asian flavors into your kitchen. Omsom partners with iconic Asian chefs to craft rip-and-pour starters that pack all the specialty sauces, aromatics, and seasonings needed to cook restaurant-quality Asian dishes in under 30 minutes. No more diluted dishes, no more cultural compromise. Just bold Asian flavors sitting in your pantry right between the tomato sauce and olive oil. Learn more at omsom.com. That's O-M-S-O-M dot com. And now, more stories from The Shameless Chef. This is The Shameless Chef, bearing the legitimate name of Michael A. Davenport. I have created a monster. It started when I suggested some several programs ago that cooking can be accomplished in your dishwasher. The gags and jibes have been endless. But regardless of risks, here are some more tips on dishwasher cookery. Okay, cooking in your dishwasher. As a reminder, in addition to washing dishes, your dishwasher is an automatic boiler, poacher, steamer, and low-heat oven warmer, if you think of it that way. It can do a lot of things that, that you need to use both the top of your range and your oven to accomplish. I told you about sealing fresh fish and flavoring in foil and running them through the cycle of your dishwasher to cook them. Of course, the fish doesn't brown, but it doesn't need to. Almost anything that comes already prepared in a plastic pouch, anything that you cook and seal in a pouch yourself, these can be cooked in the dishwasher, run full cycle. The big advantage of dishwasher cookery is that the food doesn't have to be watched, timed, or stewed about. No, no pun intended. Uh, let's not get too deeply into the subtleties of dishwasher cookery, for the whole thing is meant to be just a convenient sort of fun and not a way of life. But... If you have the kind of dishwasher that has a, an almost sterilizing cycle, or if your dishwasher runs over 45 minutes full cycle, then you should shorten the cycle when you're using it for cooking. I've been endlessly kidded, and I hope it was kidding, about tossing a pan of stew into the dishwasher and what a mess it made. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> no. Only cook sealed foods in the dishwasher, sealed in either foil or plastic. Generally, use only the top rack of the dishwasher because there's too much agitation in the lower rack. And yes, you can cook a whole chicken in the dishwasher, but, but why bother? The oven is just as handy, and it browns the bird where the dishwasher doesn't. 
If you haven't tried dishwasher cookery, try it for fun and the amazement of your friends and family. And if you must, write me a funny note about it. I'll laugh. Of course, I'll be glad to hear from you, no matter what you write. I'll answer you, too. Uh, Davenport here. Uh, no detergent, remember? Salute. The microwave oven is one of the wonders of our time. It's made an impression on kitchens and pallets across the country. Many of the frozen convenience foods we now find include recipes for microwave cookery. This is The Shameless Chef, and a listener wonders why I don't talk about microwaves. Well, I will. Upcoming. It's safe to assume that most kitchens have certain basic bits of equipment. Most have blenders, uh, fewer have processors. Nearly every cook that I know boasts at least one form of a mixer, either the bowl type or the hand type. But a lot of people simply are not blessed by, oh, say, a potato ricer or a larding needle. Do you know anyone who has and uses a duck press? There are lots of woks around, but not all that many. And even a candy thermometer is a relative rarity. So in answer to that one irate letter, the reason I don't suggest microwave ovens and cooking tips is there aren't enough of them around, really. And besides, I don't want to give two sets of cooking instructions, one for regular cookery and another for microwave. About that uh, irate letter, though, I enjoyed your letter. I've quoted you often to friends, and it's too bad your language isn't permissible on the air. If you have a microwave oven and you don't know how to use it, well, I would suggest you do what I always do when perplexed and confused. When all else fails, read the instruction book. Now, when you can't change a fuse, do you write irate letters to the electric company? Anyway, back to microwaves, enough of poison pens. As stated, the microwave is a joy, a delight, and the greatest boon to busy people known to man, short of a live-in cook, which none of us can afford. If you have one, use it. I have a friend who only uses hers for heating up cold cups of coffee in the morning. Now, mind you, most microwaves won't brown food, so be advised. Two, there are things like pot roasts and long simmering stews that cook as well or better in a microwave, but they don't broadcast those wonderful odors through the house before mealtime, and I miss that. There are some things that cook best in a traditional rage, and even the microwave manufacturers will agree with that. But like the duck press and the larding needle and the potato ricer, you use it when you need it. Oh, sure, I can whip up meringue by hand with a wire whisk, and I sometimes prefer to do it that way instead of the electric beater. So do your own thing. The kitchen is another scene of self-expression, like uh, the bedroom. Michael A. Davenport here, the shameless chef. Right? As there are people who have or think they have a flair for inventing, as long as there are lazy people, as long as there are rapacious pitchmen, there will be kitchen gadgets, and I say a pox on them, most of them. The best that can be said for them is they certainly do clutter up the drawers. <laughs> this is the shameless chef, quite happy to be without most kitchen gadgets, thank you. Can you possibly tell me why any kitchen should be equipped with a gadget that pits cherries, unless you are a dyed-in-the-wool addict of cherry preserves? There is a beloved little item that is a half-sphere used to make melon balls. What else I can't imagine? And why, when a teaspoon will do just as well or better? Then sing ho for the egg slicer. How often do you serve sliced hard-boiled eggs? Enough to have such a device cluttering up your kitchen drawers and nicking your knuckles? 
Okay. Uh, now then, consider the egg separator, a devilment designed to separate the yolks from the whites. Again, I say, but how often? Oh, granted, there are those who are committed to meringues, uh, endless meringues, but egg separation can be accomplished with the fingers or with the judicious use of the half eggshells as they're broken. Now, there are bits of kitchen equipment that I think no home should be without. Call them gadgets if you wish. There's that little handy-dandy, I don't know that it has a name. It serves to cut neat, narrow, tidy strips of lemon peel. It will do a whole lemon peel in one long spiral. Not that one has much use for that. Fowl shears, another item. You don't need them too often, for none of us carves a fowl every day, but they're handy for other cutting as well. A nutmeg grinder. Cannot live without it. Oh, yes, there is such a thing. Some look like pepper grinders with a rotary handle. Others are tin, cheap and handy, and are nothing but rough surfaced metal against which you grate the whole nutmeg. I once received a gift, and I shudder from the memory of it. It cores, peels, slices, pits, melon balls, and removes the eyes from potatoes. It's a disgusting shade of yellow plastic, a real award winner. The enclosed pamphlet tells me it can even be used as a candle snuffer. Isn't that nifty? Michael A. Davenport here. As stated, a pox on gadgets. Ciao. Please, subscribe to The Shameless Chef wherever you get your podcasts. The voice you heard throughout this episode was Michael Davenport, the host of The Shameless Chef, who unfortunately passed in 1985, but lived a truly vibrant life. The Shameless Chef is produced by Dylan Hoyer and me, Mike Schreiber, with podcast development and additional production by Kat Johnson. Our audio engineer is Matt Patterson. The original theme song for The Shameless Chef was composed by Chip Davis. Armin Spengen composed the theme music for this podcast. The Shameless Chef is powered by Simplecast. The Shameless Chef is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org and follow us at heritage underscore radio.